0: morning, Ernie.
1: Hey, Robbie, how you doing?
0: I'm uh, excited and happy. Hey, uh-huh. congratulations
1: on your anniversary date.
0: Yeah, 28 years. I was just yeah. uh, thinking about
1: how you know,
0: much I appreciate Jackie's grace and the Lord to uh, be willing to marry a Caltech engineer. Put <laughs> the together and try and impact the world together. Uh, beautiful. Produced.
1: Audio is a little garbled. Can you hear me okay?
0: I can hear you fine. Yep.
1: Okay, that's good. Reason. Some people seem to have trouble with me when I'm on headphones. Actually, John McClellan. I don't know why. Odd.
0: Oh. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Uh, often, uh, I've, I mean, it's, particularly when you're out walking or other stuff, there's often background noise or uh, scrambled portions from your end. But...
1: Yeah, so it sounds like you're, you have sort of, a, so what, what you talked about. Uh, Oops, thought about broke, trying to that,
0: that uh, broke up a little oh, bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, I broke up a little bit in my thinking. So uh. I was reflecting on how, when you started your marriage, the sort of top line focus was primarily around partnering together to accomplish great things for God. Uh yeah. and I think that uh, you're getting more to a place or that the most significant and powerful and impactful thing you can do for the kingdom of God is just learn to love your wife.
0: Yeah, a couple, few years ago, I remember uh, walking down the hallway in our house and feeling, you know, I, I have, I have this recurring experience of a sudden sentencing thought impacting me deeply. And, uh, a feeling that these are thoughts that god's giving me and the thought then was um robbie when you stand before me uh i'm not going to care as much how you love the whole world as how you love the people i've given you to love in your household Mm. Uh, but i i didn't really know what to do with that yeah Um, and uh then the the emphasis um, that I've come to learn recently from uh, Ralph Winter's daughter Becky and her husband Tim is God's concern to bless, or His promise commitment to Abraham, which is really the launching point for the story of redemption in the Scripture, or it's one launching point, is a very significant turning point. To God's selection of one person through whom He's going to bless all the family lines of Earth, um, uh-huh. and that i found a hundred verses throughout scripture that relate to that theme. In fact, Paul in Galatians three says, this is the gospel preached in advance to Abraham. And uh, this, this intent of God to bless family lines, generational family lines, not just those living, but those yet to come. And uh, the extended family relationships has uh, stirred Jackie and me together to pray for more of God's blessing on our household. And to seek Mm. to understand what that means and to recognize that Satan is working very aggressively and intentionally to tear down households and uh, families and extended families. So we're not just in a neutral situation where, oh, yeah, somehow, accidentally things fall apart. We have a very aggressive enemy uh, working through culture and through, um, you know, humanness uh, and everything else. To tear that apart, so consciously praying for God's blessing and guidance, and that has become uh, something that we've been pursuing and seeking together from a low where uh, we had one of our three children estranged from us, and and you know uh, couldn't uh, figure out how to reconnect to uh, today, where we're having a much richer experience together, seeking God together, and enjoying family time together actually all under the same roof again uh, for now until the kids launch into whatever God has for them uh, independently. But we don't see the independence as a goal the way many families in society do. uh, Mm -hmm. We're looking for what does God have for us as a family to do together that will build us together, but also accomplish significant things for his kingdom.
1: Yeah. Um, the um, yeah, there's a lot there. I think the uh, one of the turning points for me, uh, especially as I went through these values of troubles, was you know there's a passage in Malachi possibly where uh, people are complaining about their finances and their houses, and he says, you know, why should you be worried about your houses when the Lord's house is not? uh, being taken care of something like that. Right. And the, uh, one of the words I kind of got from God was, um, that, uh, you focus on restoring my bride and I will take care of restoring your bride. Mm, uh And it wasn't that I should prioritize, uh, you know, church work over my family. It's that I'm kind of uh, at an impasse where I am not mature enough to address the things my wife needs from me. Uh And so as I practice trying to understand how Christ relates to his bride, the church, and understanding what Christ wants from her and she needs from Christ, that is where I develop the muscle and the concepts to Actually, start relating to my wife as Christ loves church, and that yeah. that is the way forward. You uh, know, in, in a place where there seems no way.
0: Yeah, and uh, there over the last couple of years, in particular, God's given me grace to see a lot of things where I've assumed I'm in the right and my wife is in the wrong, and to, instead to realize that. Uh These are neutral differences or ways that uh I actually have harmful ways in me that I just wasn't seeing or able to see or willing to see or whatever it was
1: um, yeah I, I would actually go one step further in that yeah. you know you talked about how you know wives often expect the husband to read their read their minds uh-huh. and in some sense, that is unfair. But in another sense, the unfairness is actually kind of the point.
2: Uh-huh. Is
1: that there is a um, like uh, uh, random anecdote? Uh, there's this. Uh, I guess it's a Coldplay song called Higher Power, and they have like an you know like they have a regular video, and then they have the, the uh, lyric video, and then apparently there's this thing called the dance video, which is uh-huh. where. Uh, And there's this, I was looking at it, I I couldn't tell if this was like a professional thing or like, you know, uh, an amateur thing, because there's these people dressed in these outlandish costumes who are doing relatively simple dances, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And Mm -hmm. uh, when I looked at the end, the name of it, and then I discovered it was actually like a Coldplay song, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just like some youth group or Bethel, whatever. Uh, The uh, name of it was the Ambiguous Dance Troupe. And I thought, huh. The thing that's interesting about them is that, like, uh, that was the experience I had watching them. It was ambiguous whether this was like a formal dance troupe or just a bunch of friends who to dance decently well. Uh, who, and the thing that struck me about them was that it's not like there were like amazing feats of athleticism or you know extraordinary synchrony or whatever. It was just the boldness that these people dressed up in these outlandish costumes and walked out individually into random places in public and just, start, you know, and we're just dancing. And then they would all like sure. converge on a spot and do a dance production together. And it's like, you know, it's one thing to dance on a stage where people come to expect uh, a dance performance. It's another thing to just stand up and dance wherever you are. Uh, and yeah. it's, like the, it's like the thing that, um, that made them so compelling was their willingness to look ridiculous right. um, in pursuit of the thing they love. Right. And it's often occurred to me that a lot of what we call romance in our culture is this sort of extravagant, uh, making oneself foolish and vulnerable for the sake of another, uh, You know, not unlike the, song, the, the, the songs of birds or the plumage of a peacock, simply to demonstrate that A I have this emotional security and confidence and uh willingness to expend it on your behalf.
2: Right.
1: And the uh the very extravagant and irrationality of it is in fact what makes it rational. Right. And and sort of le- and, and that's been really helpful for me because there is this instinctive response to say well that's not fair or that's not 50 50 or that's not uh what i signed up for right and realizing no that's actually the point in fact you know not just what i signed up for but it is precisely in the areas where i feel that resistance where i'm tempted toward resentment and bitterness that's uh-huh. the leading edge of grace where i need to grow yeah. in
0: yeah so I'm talking with Gary uh, Sweeten, who's written the materials "Apples of Gold" and uh, "Listening for Heaven's Sake." Um, Last night, he uh, made a comment, a reference to people, to many women in counseling. He's heard um, say something that I I've forgotten how I said it to you, but I, I asked him, and he said, "Many women have an internal voice." I'm just reading from his text here. Many women have an internal voice that begs for her husband to interact in certain specific ways. They have another uh votive that says, "If I actually tell him exactly what to do or say, it means he does not really love me enough to understand my heart mm-hmm. um many times in counseling sessions, I heard that from wives it's a catch twenty two for us, but can be handled best by really paying attention to her by watching listening and never trying to, quote, fix her, unquote. (laughs) So there we go. Uh, That's just the the core problem. I've been trying to fix this about her and help her achieve the unreasonableness of trying to ask me to anticipate what she wants instead of doing my best and trusting that God's spirit will guide me. Um, uh, If I get it wrong, there'll be grace. So uh, I've resented the that uh, desire in her, rather than working with it, and uh I think that's been very unloving. But it gives me an opportunity now to uh deal with that in a different way.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I have a similar dynamic uh, uh, in, a, in a very mild way, but peaceful like that. In that you know, I couldn't.
0: Uh, I, 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 I I can't understand what you're saying. Something went a little wonky with your audio.
1: Yeah, testing one, two, three.
0: Yeah, that's better.
1: So I have a similar dynamic in milder form with my father. In that he had some differences five years ago over my mental health. And, like, I want to resolve it. And he feels pressured. Uh, and um, <laughs> one of the things I realized over the last week is that in a mutual relationship, Uh, uh, you know, sort of roughly equal strength uh, and roughly equal status, I suppose, there's a sense in which, well, of course, we're all in this together and we want to share the burden and we want to kind of help each other out, but we always, uh, but at least in intimate relationships or in any really high pressure situation, we eventually get to a point where um, we don't have a surplus. Of either confidence or competence or clarity or whatever. And uh, we want to kind of share the shame or share the blame. Uh-huh. And, you know, that is a reasonable thing to expect in relationships of mutuality. Yeah. But, uh, in, first of all, you know, in marriage, we have the, the Christ like mandate for men to love our wives as Christ loves the church. There's an asymmetry there. And uh, I'm starting to think in general, that is what it means to be Christ-like, is to say when you're in a situation where there isn't sufficient grace for everybody, where you can't, and and like, I don't think it's healthy to go to the other extreme of like never expecting or asking help from anyone them to bear things. But there is a um, um, a default assumption that if there is not enough grace, I'm the one whose job it is to speak more of it, and yeah. don't expect other people to have grace for me. Um, but uh, and don't even expect myself to have grace for them. But uh, accept that when when uh grace is running low i am the one who has to go out and fetch more
0: yeah hey i just uh texted gary to see if he was free and would like to join us and he said he is um you want to send him the phone number and i just sent forward him the link to join us
1: uh yeah or the phone number yeah
0: yeah uh, i think
2: I've i've got this in my text uh oops Let's see, is this the same? Yeah. Uh, Almost there.
0: So he can just dial in directly, right? Yeah,
1: he can just pull that phone number and drop them right into the call. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, this does segue a bit into the thing I am conflicted over. And trying to decide what's the best way forward um, uh-huh. are you able to listen are you still typing yep, stuff no, out? I'm, I'm, yeah, okay yeah. yeah it's like on the one hand the like the primary reason for doing dbj is that like I need more grace right and I need I want to be part of a community to help me get grace you know deeper and faster than I could on my own uh-huh. but on the other hand there's also this desire to create something that's impacting other people and replicable beyond me Mm -hmm. and the uh i can see the dangers in both directions right if i get too self-focused it becomes uh overly um narcissistic i guess but if i become too other focused it becomes sort of uh, paternalistic right where it's like this is what i think you need because you are uh, not like uh, me, and so I was hoping to uh, do the um, the thing of like getting people who are sort of in these rich positions. So anyway, hey Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm glad I could. Yeah. yeah, I was just telling Robbie, uh, I really appreciated your feedback, and I'm still kind of wrestling with it because I living I'm living in this tension between. On the one hand, I'm building this thing because I need it. Like, I need more grace than anyone else I know. And so I want to make sure I'm building something from my perspective. On the other hand, like, I really do care about building something scalable that helps other people beyond me. And I'm sort of, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to um, uh, understand how those tensions play out and so i really liked your feedback
3: that's very wise to do i mean i think you gotta it has to apply to you practically and to your life or it isn't any good for anybody else
0: It it reminds me of a comment ralph winter has drilled into me um always try to solve your own problems in a way that maximizes the benefit for others sure sure
1: yeah and the um so the and maybe you know you can just help me brainstorm through this here. So the the immediate uh, challenge or opportunity facing us is uh, Robbie and my friend David Huffman and I have been wrestling with Exodus with, with issues that seem to be converging around Exodus 32, which is the scene of Moses uh, where the people of Israel rebel against God, and then Moses does two things that in general seem like really bad ideas. One, he disagrees with God, and two, he asks himself to be cursed. And it's like, you know, it's hard to think of any context where that's a good thing to do, and yet in the narrative, it really does seem like he is acting in God's best interests. And that is a paradox I do not understand, and it ties into what actually Rob and I were discussing earlier on this call about marriage and our marriages, is that, you know, to really love our wives kind of means um, not wanting justice for them or from them, but wanting their grace and their redemption more than we want our own. And um, so that's kind of what's all swirling around. So I'm
2: I'm sort of like,
1: this seems like a big, hard problem, but maybe the, uh, the, the challenge, as you've been saying, about how to make it simpler, and easier to digest is, you know, my, my, my naive impulse is to try to make sure we embrace the full complexity, but maybe the deeper challenge is to try and work through the complexity into finding a simplicity ahead of time so that it's something that is more approachable and maybe even works better for us as well.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned to Robbie, I think for me they uh I, i'm a very analytical person personality wise and i i think i sense that in you guys very analytical like the the theoretical uh i'm an architect and uh, my wife is a bricklayer a hod carrier you know what a hod carrier is so i, wanna I don't talk know about that. i don't know that word hod carry is a person that par- carries the bricks up and lays the bricks on a wall it's very, very practical. You gotta get those bricks straight. You gotta, gotta lay the the mortar in there. It's gotta be absolutely right. Well, the architect wants that, but he or she's always looking at this big picture and, and stuff. Right. Okay. And lay, uh, yes, out okay, I the, can relate to that. So I think that the, for me, the fruit of the spirit is much more practical application in real life of God's love. Uh, A long suffering, listening, paying attention to uh, the little things in life and not always trying to analyze it or fix it, but just understand it. And that's, if you look at all the fruit of the Spirit, That's that self-control and long-suffering are the ones that cause so much problems. And you could say lack of love, lack of wanting grace, of mercy, and all for another person. Yeah, but then how is that shown in long-suffering, patience, listening to, sitting on it, waiting, allowing the other person to have their thoughts and their feelings without changing them?
1: right and so this is the uh the question that i've been wrestling with and, and you know I, I love that picture in fact there's a book i don't remember the name of it uh but our church did this which it has like a survey where you rank yourself you sort of do a self-assessment and how well you are doing in fruits of the spirit but i thought wow yeah. that's a way better metric for church health than numbers or uh, attendance or finances uh and so i love that as sort of the uh, i guess i would call that a trailing metric of spiritual development is how well we are manifesting the fruits of the spirit. And one of the things I keep uh, asking myself, analysts that I am, is what are the leading metrics of fruit of the spirit? Like, what are the things that if I'm doing more of now will lead me to being more patient and long-suffering and kind and gentle down the road?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, And what have you come up with?
1: Um, the, the short answer is encountering Christ, right? As I experience Christ's grace to me and the longer answer is, um, the thing I'm trying to figure out with GBJ, which is that creating, uh, safe spaces where we encounter Christ through his word, through his spirit, through his body and his blood where we um you know in the, the communion of the saints we are vulnerable about where we fail and then receive grace in those broken places
3: yeah and for me um before i before i entered into training to be a counselor a therapist i had answers for everybody else's problem and they weren't bad answers Mm. if people if 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 people would just have done it we've said this many times if people (laughs) just do what i say they just do what i say man the world would not would be really nice but people don't and so what i had to learn that's in counseling that's called a one up one down position i'm Mm. That's the medical model. The medical model is, I'm a doctor, you're a patient. I'm not sick, you are. I know how to fix you, and here's what you need to do to straighten up. So the average Mm -hmm. doctor listens to a patient 36 seconds before he or she tells them what to do.
1: It makes me wonder what the average number is that for a therapist.
3: (laughs) Well, sometimes not much better. But the the training is, listen, 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 and most of the time, the Holy Spirit will straighten that person out without your having to.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, Yeah, I have a, a tortured history with the mental health profession and that I really love counseling and really admire psychiatry in principle. but In practice, uh, uh, it's been very... Uh, um, you know the the thing that the, the the vision you have, right, was very attractive of a place where you feel uh, accepted and heard and listened to, and then there's a safe space where you can hear the spirit, and be able to. And I and I, I have to say, like in the inner healing traditions, I don't know how familiar you are with those. Uh, I've seen that uh, more commonly practiced than I have in traditional counseling. Uh, oh, yeah. It seems like at, at least the, most of the people I've encountered with is they get to a point where their anxiety about the situation reaches a level where they feel like they have to uh say something in this sort of one up one down uh model yeah. it seems yeah. very hard to not revert to that and you know that's a that's actually one of the very uh things I'm trying to do with these these Jesus studies is that uh is break that mindset that I myself have from bible studies or accountability groups where there is this impulse to tell people, Oh wait, this is what you're doing wrong. Or at the very least, here's what has helped me. You should really consider it, which is not no, a bad no. thing, but I'm realizing, but, it, but I love that one up, one down yeah. thing yeah. is that it, it, it really helps me conceptualize why that's uh, uh, dangerous. And not just from the the sense of, but like, uh, people, uh, uh, often want that, right? They want someone else to tell them
3: what to do. Yes, and uh, actually, they want, uh, having been in the ministry, preacher, teacher,
2: uh,
3: as what I have often seen is people want you to tell them what to do. Then, when they fail, they blame you.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's
3: so yeah. So uh, the. Uh, I've had people come in and say, as my as my pastor, you tell me what this scripture means. And I said, you read it to me and tell me what it means. Well, no, you should tell me. Well, you know, you can read, right? You know what God's, and ask them, what's a clear teaching? Not put me in the bind so they can blame me or argue with me. They don't have an argument with me. They have an argument with God.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very uh, um, helpful shift, and I, I've seen that used also effectively in uh, uh, witnessing patterns, where right. you get a yeah. person to read the verse to you and tell you what it means, and uh, it impacts them in a much more profound way than if you try to tell them what it means and they just resist. Right.
2: Got
3: it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So now, the only- Sorry. Yeah. I think I think what you guys are talking about the Jesus model of witnessing overseas and all that they've been doing. That's that's really all about asking people to read and what is that, say? Yeah. What's
0: yeah, that the Discovery say? Bible study? Yeah. The Discovery yeah, Bible.
1: Yeah, and just you know, the history of how we got from DBS Discovery Bible studies to the discipling by Jesus, there were yeah. a couple of dynamics we noted. One was that DBS seems to work really well in traditional cultures um, yeah. and has struggled greatly in what we sometimes call weird oh. cultures, westernized, educated, yeah. industrialized. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to people said it's like, it's literally impossible, don't even bother trying. And so uh, ironically, you know, highly analytical, overeducated, <laughs> geeks, yeah. like us, was an interesting innovation. And the two things that uh, we found that were...
2: Uh, one a break, one was,
1: you know? nope. yeah, sorry, the interesting, I didn't want to go near Wi-Fi spots, my radio gets uh, confused, is this better?
2: Oh, it's one, yes, one, two, out. three. Yes, came okay, yeah.
1: yeah is that the um, the emphasis in DBS on obedience seems uh, to, uh, the, well, there wasn't much picture of grace in traditional DBS. It was more like, let's hear the law and obey it, which is really good and right. healthy, but uh, right. it, it can uh, lead to shame or guilt or legalism. And so I wanted I to have an explicit focus on grace. And then the right. second thing that, Um, And this is what I'm wrestling with is this idea of um, uh, um, uh, the the goal is to get people to uh, and actually this is one of the struggles I've had in both my personal devotions and also uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, Gary. I have lots of weird experiences because of my unusual background, but I meet really great men of God who uh, you know, are, you know, purely devoted to the saints and, and really, um, you know, humble in in so many ways, but they have these weird blind spots in where like movies like reading a passage and they'll literally, and, and everyone in the room knows that this person struggles with this issue.
3: Yeah. Yeah well i've counseled i've offered yeah. pro bono counseling for pastors and missionaries and their families <laughs> for the last 25 years
1: <laughs> and, and so this and, and the, the scary thing about this is you know one, it's sort of horrifying the other people do it but then there's this nagging thought oh my god uh where do i have these gaping holes in my own vision of myself and the problems and so yeah. the uh one of the things that we, one of the practices that uh, I've been using, which uh, someone, I, did, I just see you over, know, I didn't even tell you this. Uh, I'm, I got sucked into leading this peer mentoring group for an MIT alumni organization. Uh, it's a Christian thing out of the Veritas Forum and the Study Center movement. And one of the things that we taught them was this practice where we read the scripture and then we all just think about it and share a question. And I said, all questions, no answers. And they love this because look, I've never been in a Bible study where it was okay to ask questions without answers. Right, I and, Yeah, yeah and, and so so I think a lot about like the, the cognitive portion uh, of, of DBJ is getting people to the point where they're asking a real hard heart question of Jesus. Sure. And, and, sure. and that was a great, it's a Christensen line, that's probably been said before, which a question is a place that can hold an answer. And I love wow. that idea of the the job. Is to, and so I guess that's kind of the, this is useful for me to talk it through, the essence. So maybe the, um, you know, one of the parts of the, you know, there's like the vision, which I think we all agree on the vision. The question is, what's an uh, appropriate technique to accomplish that vision? Sure, and what are the extraneous sure. clutters and the things right. that like some people have lots of spare cognitive capacity, they can push uh-huh. through it but if you can make it more so it's it, it, it maybe thinking that you know huh so the real goal is what is the minimum amount of information that can push right. people to come up with a good heart question
3: yeah, that's and, wonderful that's that's a wonderful approach I, I i think i like that
1: okay thank you uh-huh. so that's a good that's a good design challenge yeah. for us to go back and say from the passage world. and the practice to get people right. there faster and maybe you know having some one thing we talked about with janet is that you know she loves the idea of having people having context and and background yeah. and interpretation and translation all these things but it's also dangerous and that, that can just become so overwhelming people get bogged down in that right and to try to create yeah. something scalable where people who need that to feel emotionally secure or actually would find it cognitively yeah. useful uh have that as a thing that they can dive into if they want but it's it's more you know, like some places it's like well if you're really serious you do the background reading and if you're a flake you show up yeah. at the last minute it's more like the other way around like hey if you're uh feeling comfortable enough to engage in a cold that's ideal but if not yeah. we you know we want you to have this sort of as a um i had this picture of the buckets that they use at ice skating rinks you know, for the kids, yeah. like if you don't know how to ice skate, yeah. you have something. It's like, okay, this is the bucket. Like, you know, the all the stuff that other people focus on—the language, the culture, the context. Hey, if you need that, great. Here's the bucket. Uh, no shame in that. But if you want to just do it cold and flail around, that's even better.
3: <laughs> yeah. And well, I maybe, think maybe that's we, need we need to dif- all that we need to differentiate several things here. Differentiation in this these issues is critical first mm. i just i mentioned the thing about the uh, jesus bible studies and all that discovery bible studies i think that's good but you can't you have to differentiate that from other things which is what you're doing and uh for example there, there's only one evangelism method mentioned by jesus in the new testament mm.
1: where's
3: where is, where's is where's it found
1: uh evangelization method the 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 with one one really is that,
3: he laid out a whole evangelistic method
1: it was going into the town and finding the person of peace
2: yes Luke 10 what did he say
1: uh when you enter a town uh uh go where the First, peace rests or something like that yeah here
3: go no, here, me here, out here. Here's,
1: my, my memory's fuzzy
3: go first as how do you go
1: as a sheep among wolves
3: yeah okay most of us are not very sheepy we're more liony <laughs> yeah so i think this is this is evangelistic outreach luke 9 is all about the disciples he took them on a a uh, shakedown cruise and they fail Every single test. (laughs) When they did it on their own, they failed. You know, should Mm -hmm. we call down fire on them, Lord? Mm -hmm. Want to burn them up? A little napalm on the Samaritans? (laughs) So Jesus let them go on their own throughout that whole chapter. Then in 10, he says, now here's the way you do it. Go as lambs among wolves. Give peace to everybody. And if they receive your peace, talk to them. If they don't, don't worry about it. Right? Walk on to shake the dust off your feet is the the Hebrew term that's used. Go on and go to their house. Drink tea with them. uh, Eat with them. When they complain, minister to them. Pray for them and then say, The kingdom of God came close to your house today. Then when they came back to report in, you remember what Jesus said? The only time I ever remember hearing this in my life
1: mm. in the scripture.
3: What what did he tell them?
1: Um To rejoice not that the demons submit to you, but that your names are written in the book of life.
3: And what did he say? I saw when you went out and ministered, like I told you. I saw. I saw the
1: heavens open, heavens open, and Satan falling. Yeah. All right, Robbie. Now,
3: do you know of any other? Do you know of any other process for Christians that brought Satan down?
1: Um, the only thing I know is that there's something or other that the gates of hell shall not prevail against, but I don't know if that's the same thing.
3: Right. I, but I'm saying there was power to overcome Satan by going out in peace and being with people over a long period of time to minister to their needs.
1: Sorry, the only thing that I didn't quite get was you said a long period of time?
3: Well, I don't know. You go have dinner with them, go have tea. I, I trained people in Taiwan okay. to do this. And they went, they had tea house ministries in Taiwan. And they would have a pair of people go to all the little tea shops in Taiwan and go in. And, and you usually run by an older Chinese man. And they say, hello, uncle. How are you? How can we, anything we can do for you? Would you have tea with us? And they'd have sit and have tea. And they'd go back and have tea over and over and over. And they mm-hmm. built seven church, they built seven churches out of that.
1: Okay, yeah, and, no, I, I get that long embedded relationship. I just wasn't sure what I I didn't see that in Luke 10. That's what I was confused by.
3: Well well, I'm just I'm just giving you a model here. That's all I'm doing okay, is a sure. model. You
1: right. you guys
3: okay. are model builders. The model is and almost in every case, uh what happened after a period of time and they trusted these young people who were having tea with them, they trusted them to the place where they would say, my wife is in the hospital or somebody's in the mm. hospital. And they had a problem and they'd say, well, may we go pray with them? In Taiwan, mm. the whole family comes into the hospital room. I've, I've been there, I've ministered there for months. And you, if you go to the hospital, you can bring, Twenty people in your family, not like here. <laughs> they will let you. In. And so the people would go and say, "Can I, can I pray for your aunt?" Well, of course they don't know anything about prayer. They say, "What would it cost?" Because for Buddhists it always costs. So nothing, it's Ooh. free. Oh, free, really free? Yes. We'll pray for your wife, your cuss, whatever. They pray for them, and God would show up, and they might have ten people in the room watching that.
1: All right, uh, I love this. Are you I with? need to go take care. of, Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I need to go take care of my family now. But this is yeah, a, okay. super helpful, Gary. Uh, just you know, Robbie and I, I think we're trying to do something on the afternoon of Sunday, the 18th. If you happen to be free, uh, but even if not, uh, you know, I want to write up my notes yeah. and get your feedback on yeah, some iterations that might address the points.
3: One thing before you go, Ernie. One thing. What I'm suggesting sure. for your prayer time is that sh- that your scripture be much shorter. You give a lot of mm-hmm. people more time to share, and then sit before the Lord to see what's the Lord saying to you in this scripture. Share your thoughts and feelings as a group, and listen to one another.
1: Ooh, that's that's a good point. Is that we haven't had uh, an explicit focus on sharing feelings?
3: No, thoughts and, and feelings coming out. But you analytical guys, you're smart enough. With- IQs of 150 or so, you don't have to do that time. You're analytical.
1: Yeah, but maybe it would be good for our souls if we did. Yeah, okay, that's great input. Uh, Thank you so much, Gary.
3: Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. Amen.
1: All right, happy anniversary, Robbie. God bless you. uh, Thank you. Gary, just so you know, we've been recording these as part of our podcast series uh, to kind of help both document it historically, but also... Uh, you know, as uh, a way for the group to participate in our thought processes as we design this, would you be comfortable with us sharing this on a public podcast, or would you want to review it first? Yeah. If, uh,
3: okay.
0: Sure, that's fine.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much.
0: Ah, God bless. Robbie, are you right. staying on a minute? Sure, I can stay a minute. We'll continue. Uh, the recording will continue, so Ernie can catch it later. Yeah. Okay.
1: God bless you. Bye.
3: No this is i think it's ernie's telephone number isn't it
0: well he's got a recording with uber conference that uh it'll when we hang up it'll it'll conclude yeah
3: okay any feedback from you Robin?
0: um well when uh, i appreciate everything you said there's a lot of richness there uh the one thing that had stuck in my mind that i didn't get time to put in or i didn't want to interrupt the flow was just for leading indicators. Ernie asked about trailing indicators of the uh, spirits, uh, the fruit of the spirit, Uh, and uh, the leading indicators that I've been thinking about and working with uh, recently, I'd be glad to record for whoever ends up listening to this, is uh, the personal daily practice of engaging Father God with his word to receive truth and promises. Uh, truth, John 8 tells us, set us free. And uh, in 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1.4 says that uh, by God's precious promises, we partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world. And I found that to be a very rich um, focus in engaging scripture. What truth and promises are we seeing? And then, uh, adding to that, uh, practice of inviting the Holy Spirit daily to, um, show us where we need correction or to be adjusted and to yeah. ask what assignments He has. Uh, understanding an assignment is something that typically involves stepping out of my comfort zone and reliance on the Holy Spirit to magnify Jesus. And, uh, consciously saying spirit i yield to you today my yes is on the table i invite you to speak to me and and lead me in. And and i'm i'm finding accelerated um awareness self-awareness and openness and um, improvement in blessing in our household as i'm yes. practicing this
3: amen amen wonderful just sounds yep. tremendous. And for, yep. for me, then, in Ephesians 2, it says, how do we help other ourselves and other people grow up so we're no longer children pushed yep. around by every wind of doctrine by speaking the truth in love?
0: Yeah.
3: So God speaks the truth in love to us in grace and mercy. As we do that to others, then the whole body grows up. That's so, what you're what i hear you doing is all of that in your Uh prayer time to get all of that done
0: yeah and then uh uh, actually there is a third element which is sharing support and encouragement with others in christ's body and Mm -hmm. we've we've begun and particularly around the the adjustments and assignments of the holy spirit those take us out of our comfort zone and the place we may need the most encouragement um so we've 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 Actually, there's a local pastor that gave me this simple structure or format. And uh, mm-hmm. we've been using this as a basis for dinner conversation and interaction with others. Uh, you know, what are you hearing from the Holy Spirit? What truth and mm-hmm. promises? And mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. enriched our family time. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to go back to is the uh, the idea that as engineers and analysts, Um, Ernie and I, you know, both from having graduated from Caltech, he is a grad student. I was just a lowly undergrad, but, um, we're, we're keen on, keen on analyzing and offering and trying to help fix others. And I think through most of my life I have in the Lord anyway, I have understood or thought speaking the truth in love was the way to fix people but yeah i think um and but it comes out of my analysis of what's wrong with the other person rather than mm-hmm. in a way that i think uh even though the the it's it's a legitimate application of the scripture it has seemed mm-hmm. unhelpful uh in relationships i deeply care about my most intimate relationships to try and help them see what i think they need to see about themselves uh so i'm one i'm thinking that there are nuances of this speaking the truth and love that uh, you might unpack i don't know if we want to take time now to do that or not but uh be fun to or it'd probably be helpful to me to dig further into how how do you discern speaking the truth in love that's constructive from uh pursuing an agenda of fixing another person that seems loving to you but isn't experienced that way by them and maybe right, not by right. the God who loves you both.
3: So so the question is, is in, in the past you've seen the truth obviously that's analytical truth you know the truth and we say the truth will set us free so we think well we can share what we perceive as the truth about another person you know. And and really, that's kind of the way we've all been trained,
2: yeah. In grad
3: yeah. school and stuff, and even in in counseling and therapy, yep. you're you're trained to do an analysis, assessment, and then fix them. So I got yep. my license. It said you you can diagnose and you can treat. That's telling other people what to do. Now, right. as a Christian, what I started asking myself, maybe late in life, was who is the fixer?
2: hmm that's Spirit. a different
3: question yeah. yeah so to assume that i gary sweeten with all of my smarts and education <laughs> yeah, no enough no more to fix a person than the lord does right you you might say i was a bit arrogant
2: yeah yeah
3: so i think the truth is we might see it but then the truth also is The Holy Spirit is the fixer.
0: Yeah. So what does it mean to speak the truth in love when your assessment is that somebody else has a problem they need to deal with? Um, Is it, I guess, maybe for me, the answer is uh, I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit rather than just operating out of my reasoning. But uh, maybe you have some deeper thoughts about that. Right, also, but be aware of other people
3: and always that our attempts to fix will automatically set up a resistance in that person that we're trying to fix. Yep, yep. Whereas, take Peter on the housetop. Uh, He needed to be fixed. Okay. Right? Right. God was calling him to deal with the Gentiles. Now, do you think there's any Jew could have changed his mind?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no no way.
3: Or could the centurion have changed his mind? Right. We're more like the centurions. So if the centurion had ended up at the door and said, look, God told me to come and tell you to do this, would Peter have been likely to have changed?
0: No, not at all.
3: No, so I'm not saying, and the centurion wouldn't have been wrong. Right. He would have been correct. But there's some things that cannot be received by the other person because the Lord hadn't prepared them to be received. Yeah. And that's the Luke 10 for me.
0: So Paul later rebukes Peter directly to his face. And that, I, say, I would say, is speaking the truth in love. Um, but I, I have a sense that the spirit was guiding Paul in a way that often isn't true of my um, uh, trying to tackle right. things.
3: Well, the other thing was Paul wasn't always right.
0: All right. Yeah.
3: Paul was wrong in com- in confronting Barnabas about his nephew and kicking yeah. John, Mark. Uh, yeah, John Mark, Mark out. Right. He was yep. wrong.
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: He was biased. he was still Uh angry. He still had his own. I think his besetting sin was anger. So Uh he was still showing that. But anyway, he did it, and that ended up they planted more churches. But just because Paul did it doesn't mean it was right. because Jesus said, don't go out and try to confront the wolves, even though you have the truth, right? right? Bless them with peace. So the truth at this point in time is we bless people with peace because we know they cannot see truth in the in Greek as unveiled reality. They can't see that reality until the Lord opens their eyes.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that fits with this uh, problem I've been considering. I think I mentioned to it, last, it to you last night of uh, how we're uh, it seems to we seem to have lowering and lowering ability or less and less ability within our society. To have open discussion of disagreement, and oh, uh, that censorship is on the rise, and whatever else.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, exactly. But it, it, that. Um, so I've been thinking about maybe ways to ask questions that lead people at least to think and wonder, and uh, rather than making propositional statements that simply further the breakdown.
3: Yeah, it's, I think, uh, just to, you know, pair, where there there's a 10th interaction.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, I
3: was in a group yesterday about uh, eight or 10 men, and the guy said, we were already 15 minutes over our quitting time, and he said, I want to discuss January 6th, whether that is an insurrection or not.
2: And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. well,
3: number one, there ain't yeah. no way eight or 10 people can discuss that. Number two, right. Uh It's too volatile. we don't have time, and I just said this fellow i need need to leave. It's a good question. I, yep. I just don't think we have time to deal with that, but I'll be glad to talk with you sometime.
2: So yep. Yep.
3: you have to get out of that volatility and that reactivity, yeah, the major issue for us is that we are still reactive to other people and not really hearing the Lord about how I mean proactive, yeah. And how to
0: bring peace and sow peace,
3: yeah. How to sow peace. So you bless people with peace. So I tried to bless my friend with peace yesterday. I didn't want to get into that fight. Uh, Even if I agreed with him, I thought that was going to be a ball.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I know
3: the guys in the group. And so I wanted to be a peacemaker. Yeah. So blessed are the peaceful. Only they can bring peace. If you're anxious yourself to change somebody, you will only spread, I will only spread, and I've done it many times, anxiety in that situation. Yeah. Reactivity.
0: Yeah, good. So well, thank, thank you so much for, for, oh, go ahead.
3: You're asking the right question, how do you speak the truth in love, because that's our command. Yeah. That, that's really the, that's the, what we need to do, and I, I like that. So
0: I'm sorry, have go you, ahead. Yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to say thank you for your uh, joining us and for your time and your wisdom. Uh, but I, I uh, just recently, our family has uh, started playing a game, which actually works for all five of us, from a son with 20 who's Down syndrome and uh, is able just to read simple questions to, uh, yeah. you know, I was the, my self Caltech graduate. Uh, it's called Say Anything. I don't know if you happen to have come across it but uh it's a simple game where you pick a question to read in my opinion you know the best kind of whatever is this and uh then the others each answer how they think you might answer and then you secretly pick which one you like best and they all vote on oh, which one they think you're going to pick
3: oh and oh that's <laughs> i like that it's a, I haven't heard it's a great, that.
0: Fam- that's... great family great yeah. family dynamic um yeah, yeah. and uh so, but we've we've gotten to the place where we're tired of their questions, which deal with things we don't really care about,
2: <laughs> and we're just starting to
0: think through, you know, what kinds of questions could we ask? And I think that this kind of a dynamic and pattern could do a lot to yeah. bring out uh, a very healthy interaction and consideration of, you know, what's important. And so uh, yes,
3: yeah, there's a, there are several games like that that our our family plays our grandkids and kids. Yeah, that break down all the barriers now. And that's a that's a really good because you're kind of guessing at what does this other person, what's what's their truth? And then what's your truth? What you think is
0: right. true. And
3: yep. we guess and we often find out we're really wrong. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it creates a safe environment where, you know, whether you're right or wrong, we're just having fun and we're laughing together. and, a- and a- But we're absolutely. also learning. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, so in, what's the difference there between that and when you're in a Bible study group?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think we're actually finding a dynamic in our Bible study discussion. We've been using uh, typical discovery Bible study questions yeah. at home. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about people? Uh, what What can we do to uh, put this into practice or obey it? Um, and it it hasn't worked perfectly for us, but it's been a, a good experience um, so,
3: well, I think, but I'm just going back to, uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear that you're saying that sometimes you want to speak the truth to people in yeah. love and they get defensive or whatever. What's different about your family game that that isn't oh. happening?
0: Yeah. So the shift problem, uh, well, in the game, we're not telling anybody what we think they should think. Um, right. the phrase, the phrase shooting all over people, uh, right. as the, uh, a characterization of sermonizing, uh, has kind of stuck with me that, and I'm, I'm yeah. trying to stay away from should, and you need to, uh, uh kind of yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. and none of that is present, of course, in the game context, right. as we're just you know, uh, making observations right. or guessing, but.
3: When you get it, when we get into theological discussions or political discussions, do you find the absence of shoulding?
0: Uh, no, typically it's uh, of what we should be doing, (laughs) and uh, yeah.
3: So, I, I one time uh put out a little statement to all my class if you won't should on me, I won't should on you.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I like that.
3: And it's kind of summary. Okay. Uh, And my experience is that most Christians are shooting on themselves continually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the, uh, you know, turning to the Holy Spirit and inviting, is there something you want me to change or to, you know, receive grace from you to change? Uh, yeah. An adjustment, and is there what what assignment do you have for me today? Is there uh, something that takes me out of my comfort zone and reliance on you to magnify jesus um wow. or anything yeah. else you want me to do but uh
3: so you're getting you're getting your directions from the Lord instead of your shoulds
0: I'm you know? aiming to yeah yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what your goal is there huh yep yep to hear and I Lord think that's gonna... the le- that would be yeah. to me. That's the leading indicator. If that becomes a consistent practice, and you're mm. in some form of group where you're sharing support and encouragement in embracing yeah. what you feel the Holy Spirit's saying, um, uh, then uh, you're in a good place to be seeing more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit.
3: I I I think that's wonderful. I really like that. So you're if you get to the place where If whatever you're doing in your group and this person says, well, I really believe the Lord said X, Y, Z to me,
2: Uh uh,
3: not to try to correct them or say, no, the Lord couldn't have said that to you, but to listen to them and uh, really pay attention to what they're saying and allowing them to have their relationship to God.
0: Yeah, I think it is legitimate to ask, you know, uh, uh, where do you see that in scripture? I had not run across that before. Um, and, you know, let them, uh, take you to a passage and, you know, or, or through their thought process, which that, that's a, that it's not a direct challenge, but it creates an open environment where the Holy spirit, you know, when, when a person tries to explain something, they engage it in a different way from when they're just processing it internally or, uh, listening. And uh, if we okay. if we turn people into explainers rather than just active, I mean, a- passive recipients, uh, we get much deeper discipleship.
3: I think that uh, you know, my response would be to respond in an I statement. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've gotten into I statements and uh, things uh, some of Janet's work. Well, some, some of,
0: you know you know, some with, you know, I feel or I'm experiencing or that kind of stuff rather than you are doing this or that. But uh, I, 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 I'm I, not sure if you're applying the I statement to when somebody says God's telling me to do something that doesn't seem right. consistent with scripture. Um, right. Are you saying that I statements help me understand how I statements would fit there?
3: All right. But what your understanding of scripture is you're taking as truth
0: and you're challenging that's a challenge well rather than, yeah. yeah so well if, if, if they get something if, if they say guys telling me to do this and to me it doesn't seem consistent with scripture it seems yeah. to me that it's it's helpful and relevant to be curious um and yeah. not to uh, and express that curiosity and okay, to discover... how, would you,
3: how would you express your curiosity what would you say
0: so uh, I might say, you know, I, 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 well, suppose they say a specific thing. I think God wants me to leave my wife and to go over and, you know, uh, to Africa as a missionary or whatever. Uh, I might say, you know, that's very interesting. Is there some passage in scripture that God used to show you this? And how, how did you come to process this um, uh, okay. to reach that conclusion? I think, I
3: think you, you started out with an I statement.
0: Okay. Which what was the statement? I missed it.
3: <laughs> I am curious.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, and I haven't seen it. Yet. I
3: I yeah. am curious.
0: Okay, I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that so is, that's that's uh, really that. You're saying that's positive. What are you contrasting that with? Uh, a statement you, like you shouldn't do where that. Where did you should. Where did you find that? You know, that that can't be true? Okay.
3: It's more. I'm curious. How did the Lord yeah. say that to you? I said, open that up for me, because uh, okay. I'm needing to look that up or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. May, that might have implications for me and others. So it's the curiosity, uh, because then what this does is it trains us to do that in our most intimate relationships.
0: Uh, okay.
3: And then the almost intimate relationships where we have reactivity, but also in witnessing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that, But in our most intimate relationships, if my wife, my kids say, you know, I've done this well. So yeah, you know, it's really surprising to me. I've never thought about that that way before at all. This is a new mm-hmm. insight. I need to really think about this. So maybe I can be helpful or wonder, you know, tell me how this could. So if they are informing me, you're putting them on the one up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: educate you. And so yeah. often uh, my wife, as kids have said a million times, why are you so smart? Why mm. do you think you're so smart? Well, mm. I, that's that's not real gentle feedback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So it's it's that well. Holy cow, that's really amazing. Uh, all my life, I've not heard that. I, fill me in on this. So let's discuss okay. this. This is a new insight. Maybe it's a, a woman's thing. Maybe it's a kid's thing. I have uh, I haven't thought of. So yeah. it's a humble approach rather than you need to you need to convince me kind of thing. Yeah. Just a a different attitude of humility.
0: Yeah. Well, by God's grace I'm gonna get to a place where that's uh much more <laughs> the way I interact than the way I have interacted. But yeah, uh, I not yeah. yeah. it it's hey, a, yeah. a it's a huge shift. Yeah. Hey um uh, next uh, Saturday morning I'm in a Zoom call with uh, Ralph Winter's daughter Becky and her husband Tim and uh, community they have focused on blessing the family lines of earth and uh, I don't know that's probably a time you have other things going on but if you're free I'll uh, send you a little more information and invite you to join us
3: Uh, next Saturday John Schindeldecker is going to have his peace pursuit thing which, which is a lot of this stuff uh, oh
0: great!
3: And he's teaching to missionaries all over the world.
2: Yeah, all the wonderful. big
3: mission organizations are sending their missionaries because there's so much conflict among missionaries.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, well, they're, say hi to John if you think of it and get a chance. I, to, uh, I, I will.
3: Yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to. But I think I I do know what you're talking about in terms of praying over the earth and all of those kinds of things. That's never been my uh, Cup of tea. And this I isn't
0: a, this this, this this isn't a prayer time. This is a more. How should we then? So we're gonna. My proposal is for that time for the three hours is we'll look at what is God's current agenda and the mix of unfolding uh, events. What's Satan's strategy for opposing that agenda? What are the different layers of the agendas that are at work, and how do we respond and disciple in that context? Uh, so that's that's what we're. Um, planning to are you dis- uh, agendas
3: of various christian organizations
0: or no we're looking at uh, you know what what kinds of agendas are driving the lockdown and the great reset and the uh, vaccination and um, the erosion of civil liberties and other things like that um uh, there's a some uh, we've been reviewing a variety of materials but uh, i'm becky helped coordinate a uh, issue of Mission Frontiers a few months back on the death industries and how uh, various, you know, organizations and, and industries profit from things that are destructive to human life and relationship, um, from abortion to uh, drugs and alcohol to um, pornography and other things. And uh, clearly, you know, those are satanic agendas that are operating through those uh, structures.
3: I see. I see. Yeah. Right. Well yeah, I agree. I can agree. that's all a bunch of evil stuff.
0: The the group calls yeah, so itself you... the the Seers, trying to see what uh, is coming <laughs> from the horizon and how yeah. God's people might respond. So uh
2: yeah.
3: We
0: meet we, we meet once a month, uh the second Saturday of the month. So uh if not yeah, what, this week. What time
3: what time do you meet?
0: Well, it's nine to noon uh Pacific time, so that'd be noon yes. to three year time.
3: Yeah, something like that. Well, send me a link. Sounds like a fascinating organization, a very, very fascinating group of people. Uh, and prob- I'm probably with you yep. uh, in theory and
0: uh, yeah, yeah. everything like this. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we don't even agree all among ourselves on the best, no. uh, the ways, the appropriate ways to respond. But... Uh, no. You've got a lot of rich background and insight that would be a cont- contribution. Uh, so this this uh, this is a once a month meeting that we call the Seers, hosted by the group that Tim and Becky have recently started called tell Us Fellowship, from the Greek word tell us where Jesus says this good news will be preached in all the world, and then the Tellus will come, or Paul says yeah. the Tellus of our instruction is uh, love, which comes from the sincere faith and um or the there are various other places in scripture that yeah. have some form of finishing like uh, jesus yeah. said my um, food is to do the will of god who sent me and to finish his work so we're yeah. we're looking at finishing what god working with god to finish yeah. his purposes on the earth for jesus return
3: and my international ministry was called teleos
0: oh okay yeah kind a, a
3: hole in christ become growing into maturity, whole being whole in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. That's, uh, that's good. one. If you've got anything written on that, uh, you can send it to my email. I appreciate it. You know, the background. All right.
0: I'll, uh, I'll try and get that sometime next week. Um. In the meantime, uh, why don't we close with prayer? I'm looking forward. I'm yes. about to move into i uh, I'm really looking forward to a day celebrating with Jackie, our anniversary and getting out exploring right. and, Appreciate the spirit. any prayer for the Spirit to just guide us and use this time richly. Father, I want to thank yeah. you for Gary and for his availability to jump in with Ernie and me and for the uh, just the rich background he has to help with the kinds of problems Ernie and I have of being fixers, of being analyzers, of uh, speaking the truth but not knowing how to do it in a loving way and not recognizing the difference between our truth and your truth and uh, being in the one-up position um, without even being aware of it. Uh, guide um, guide Ernie and me in learning and applying these things, how to love our wives the way you love your church uh, so that you might be glorified and that the blessing you promised Abraham would continue to multiply in our households and throughout the earth. And oh, um, continue to pour out your blessing on Gary's ministry and all those who are continuing to carry it forward along with him so that uh, this kind of fruit of your spirit would be richly multiplied in days of what may be increasing darkness, uh, that the light of your love and your uh, truth would shine even more brightly.
3: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, and praise you for the opportunity to get acquainted with brothers in Christ hear about their hearts and their humanity and everything going on and the opportunity just to grow together, fostering peace, fostering your love, your grace and mercy among us on the various coasts and various places around the world, Lord, that you're planting your people and pouring out your spirit. And I pray that Robbie and Ernie and all these other people are taking part in these in this these attempts. And even the, the, the seers might be peacemakers. So we go into all of the world blessing people, finding your peace and being peacemakers to others that they might find their peace with you through the Lord Jesus Christ to tear down strongholds mm-hmm. and to rip up the darkness, Lord, and shine forth your light into those dark places. And I pray, Lord, that your light would shine throughout America, revealing the darkness. So when the light comes, people would, as Saul did on the road to Damascus, that blinding light came upon him. He knew it was you. That your light would shine in the darkness and people would come to faith and know Lord Jesus Christ that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. I pray that uh, we we might live that, love that, promote that, experience it at home, our workplace, our churches, and all around that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, Lord, that we would go forward blessing your name, having your power, your love, and your truth, that Christ would be glorified. And now, Lord, that Robbie, as he and Jackie have their day together, that he might have your peace in him and that peace would just resonate to Jackie and anybody else that they interact with, that your peace may be present in their car as they walk, as they talk, as they lunch, that you would be there in their midst and bringing your peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Bless you. We'll talk again. God bless.
2: Bye-bye.